one, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast where our guests examine their lives through the songs that transport them back to their past. I'm Richard Chinqui. Our guest today is Adam Malloy. Born and raised in Fort Myers, Florida, Adam is the coordinator for the community engagement for the school district of Lee County. After attending the University of Florida, he taught U.S. history for 12 years at North Fort Myers High School. He's currently involved in development of a new student assignment plan and working with community groups such as Boys and Girls Club of Southwest Florida, Future Makers, and the YMCA. He also researches demographic trends in post-unitary districts and the history of desegregation in Lee County. Oh, and if his name sounds familiar, it's because Adam's dad, Doug, was a guest on episode 119 of this podcast. All right, on with the show. Hey, Adam, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. So, Slash... Clapton or Stevie Ray Vaughan? You know, as a kid, I think I'm going to have to go with Slash. As a, uh, well, as a kid, I'm as, asking you. You know, I feel like as an adult, you have to uh, you have to maybe factor the Clapton Ray Vaughan skill set. I think at the end of the day, after a thorough analysis, I'm going to have to push Slash as the greatest guitarist of all time. He is the Tom Brady of guitar. <laughs> And I love that there are a few songs very popular, like A La Sweet Child of Mine, that he absolutely loathes, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, he's probably tired of playing. <laughs> All I can remember is the uh, the guitar solo in November Rain. Uh, it made me, I think that's my memory, really, of weddings uh, from November Rain that I have. <laughs> did it, is, is that, did it play at yours? It did not play, <laughs> it did not play at mine. Um, I never could actually understand what was happening in the music video, and the, even though I saw it a million times, but yeah. I, I did think that it was it was chaotic. That's a long song too. It's got a, it's got that dip. Um, all right. So, uh, what was the musical background of your childhood? So my musical background. So my mom was a musical theater teacher for a very long time, and so musical. Uh, musicals were huge. Uh, so like, in a, like in a school? Or? Yeah, so she taught at North Fort Myers High, mm-hmm. a musical theater, mm-hmm. uh, drama and musical theater. And, oh man, Les Mis, uh, those soundtracks, uh, a Starlight Express, you know, just just random ones that, that would be played on repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, and I'll, I'll be walking down the road and all of a sudden I'll just start doing uh, Jean Valjean and Javert's confrontation <laughs> from, from Les Mis. It's, it's ridiculous. It's become somewhat of a, of a joke. They'll be like, hey, can you do Les Mis? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. But then it, from, from when I was a child, it'll just kick in. <laughs> you do both parts, right? Oh, of course. Don't you I, love, I love doing that with my, and I have, I'll do both the dramatic and I even do the postures. You know, it's like, I'm this man or, and I'm this dramatic. Wo-. I can't, yeah, I do the same thing. <laughs> I think you can't. <laughs> you can't not do it, right? You know, Valjean, at last we see each other plain, Monsieur Le Maire, you wear a different chain, and then he comes in, before you say another word, Javert. <laughs> you know, and then they start going back and forth. It's uh, perfect. Yeah, it's that was stuff. very good, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was there. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Mike Canary does that a lot, um, so we are you a fa- Are you a fan of the, the film with Russell Crowe and... Um, Wolverine? What's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hugh, Hugh Jackman. And Wolverine. It's Wolverine doing it. No, it's Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, you know, I watched it with I watched it with my wife, um, and she actually was like, "Man, we should check out Les Mis the musical." And I was like, "Well, I think we saw the movie, and so it obviously didn't have that big of an impact." Uh, I think you know I, I liked it, but for me, it was just it just takes me back to the childhood of you know my mom always playing musical mm. theater soundtracks. Um, you know, and 
she actually never did Les Mis as one of her shows. And I'm not sure what, what happened there. I was always pushing for Starlight Express because I thought the roller skates were were so cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, man, if you can get high schoolers on rollerblades and roller skates and create ramps. Uh, I thought Imagine that the, the liability of, oh, like, of like high schoolers building ramps for other high schoolers to skate on. Do you happen to have a favorite? We ask this often. Do you, have a, do you have a favorite musical or? Is it is it like too too recent to say still Hamilton? Of course no. not. Okay, just and you know, like that. That to me is just trans. That, right, yeah, that's that just trans. It's just transformative. I think I thought it might be. I thought that might be your. <laughs> that song is has been stuck in my head for two weeks straight. It's Zoe's favorite song. I'm very song. late to the Hamilton game. I'm very very late. My best friend Kim passed for our former guest. She introduced me to it, and I gravitated to that song and that character because maybe I'm just a villain at heart. I don't know, uh, but I cannot stop singing that song. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, Jonathan Groff's uh, King. Yeah, he's so good. Oh, yeah. oh, he's fantastic in that. I mean, Aaron Burr's. Uh, um, you know, I am the one thing in life I can control. And it's just like, wow. It's just like this guy, you know. I am like, an original. Yeah, I, I am, am inimitable. Origi- yeah, I, exactly. It's the only thing I know that has the word inimitable. <laughs> I am a, inimitable. I am an original. It's like, good. Let people break out that dictionary, find a thesaurus, <laughs> learn you some words. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, can you remember the first time a song moved you, uh, like at an early age, like the first time you realized music was not just for listening? Oh yeah, I so my my parents uh, they they split up. My dad moved to Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and it's like four or five. They met in the middle of the alley, and I remember we just had this like it was like a radio tower or something in the middle of the alley where we would exchange. You know, I would go home from the weekend from my dad's to my mom's, and my mom has a very like Youngstown kind of tough personality and I remember being four or five and she just had like Pat Benatar's Shadows of the Night uh, you know <laughs> you know, playing in the car and I think it was it might be one of the only times I've ever seen her cry and I just mm. I remember like being moved at a young age like okay wow like this is I mean this is serious stuff as a kid you don't really know how to process it or analyze it but looking back now you know we're running with the shadows of the night so baby take my hand to be and I just remember I had like my little blankie and I was looking at her and I was like oh I felt like my heart felt for her at a young age mm. through that song uh, now there, there were others too that were right around that time period like uh, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me Elton John mm-hmm. uh, well no George Michael featuring Elton John live I remember she had that tape and it was like uh you know it's mr elton john and then we come on and he like Da-da-da. and i was like that was that was really cool but I, I associate that with that uh that kind of alligator alley transfer what but kind of car did they did they have we would love to do that whenever there's some kind of it's this car do you remember what car mazda was? she had a white little mazda my dad had like a, a volkswagen oh, it was like a it was a convertible and now, like, when you see them driving around, they look ridiculous. But back then, I thought it was, like, the coolest car ever because it was a convertible. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and so then uh, back at home, so your mom played musicals. Mm-hmm. What, what did your dad play? Oh, he was everything music. Mm-hmm. So he's been on the show. His, his is probably yes. the least listened to episode out of no. three song stories. No, that's not, not at all true. I'm just we g- still like all of his stuff on Instagram, too. I'm just giving him a hard time. <laughs> of course, we have to. We got to razz him a little bit. But uh, no, he was he was all about music. I mean, he was anything, anything that I any sort of music that I showed an interest in, uh, no matter how pop or Hollywood, whatever he was into. Didn't matter. It didn't. I mean. So a lot of a lot of your guests have talked about their parents being like controlling about what they could access, you know, explicit language or mm-hmm. uh, meaning or what is this? He was everything. It was like a flood of a flood of music. You know, if I showed interest in MC Hammer, we went to a concert at the Civic Center where, you know, Boys to Men opened up for MC Hammer because I got all A's on my report card in third grade. Is that uh, a real story? Oh, that's a real story for that's sure. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, and this is actually MC Hammer after his crazy successful first album. This is the Too Legit to Quit uh, tour. Ooh. That's uh, so good. Oh, yeah. And Boys to Men, too. I mean, that's not shy away from how amazing they are. That's a lineup. I mean, yeah. that's a that's a concert. <laughs> that's a grand that's a grand slam. And the that's... guy the guy with the cane that always did like the real low kind of uh talking to you. Yes. I was on my dad's <laughs> shoulders and he pointed at me with the cane. And I, I still think that that's maybe the peak of my uh my celebrity status was right there. <laughs> He's got that frisson. Like <laughs> I wanna be that, that kid. So um so music pretty central and performance pretty central in those early years. Um do you play any instruments? I would like to think of myself as a um, as like a back like a background singer, uh, perhaps. Like I, I know that's not an instrument. I did play the French horn for three years at Fort Myers Middle. Uh, the French horn, very challenging instrument. I never even got to the beginning phases of playing the French horn well. Uh, so bad, in fact, that at one of the concerts, our band director told me, if you could just press the buttons and just not... Yeah, yeah. If, you could, <laughs> if you could just not actually play uh, the French horn. Um, there was only other... There was only two other <laughs> so French horn players. Yes, it was... They'll carry you. Yes, I, I knew right then that this was maybe not the route for me, but... Uh, yeah, I played the. I did attempt to play the French horn in middle school. Um, was do you think it was easier or harder having a mother who taught music? You know, she was. You know, she was really good in terms of you know the drama, musical, theater side. Uh, so you know, if I ever, well, actually, she did kind of force me into some of the musicals that she did as like a little kid role. So I was in Bye Bye Birdie and in Music Man. Um, oh, what'd you do in Music Man? I was. I think I was little. Uh, Maybe a little Winthrop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forget. I, I hope I'm not confusing the two musicals. I haven't revisited that. That was a very traumatic experience for me. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he hears Bye Bye Birdie, he just has flashbacks. Yeah, I was like, oh, the Ed Sullivan show. No, thank oh, you. Yes. <laughs> if, if you could then, uh, you know, kind of piggybacking on the <laughs> instruments, if you could instantly know or learn and have complete mastery over any instrument at all like that, what instrument would it be? Guitar. Electric, yeah. uh, acoustic, yeah, okay. acoustic guitar, and I think it just uh, from a from like a, a social hierarchy standpoint in college when I saw those when I saw people playing the acoustic acoustic mm-hmm. guitar, I was like, I I want that is that is like amazing. Like they were so into their song, uh, and really, uh, even though Tesla Sage kind of bashed uh, "Fast Car" by Tracy Chapman, <laughs> I would love I would love to play uh, "Fast Car" by Tracy Chapman on the acoustic guitar. Oh wow. Yeah, I, well, you have to first. You have to learn Wonderwall. Oh. <laughs> oh, if you're going to play an acoustic guitar in college, please in public. don't. There we Just go. Just go right to Tracy Chapman. <laughs> um, was there ever any uh, band or musician that you introduced your parents to? Yeah, I, I you know, and and recently, uh, my dad. So he 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 consumes he consumes everything, and you know, my wife and I, we went to, we got really got into, actually my wife got me into, and then we as a couple really started enjoying Leon Bridges. Uh, and Leon Bridges, we, we turned my dad onto, uh, just cause he's got kind of that throwback uh, 60s uh, style. And my, my dad, you know, he, he, he got into it. He bought us records, bought himself records. Uh, so, you know, Leon Bridges, we've, we've recommended up the, uh, up the ladder. My mom's a little bit harder in terms of uh, recommendations, but we did go see Hamilton together, and I know she was just she, oh, she was floored. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I think it's time to get to your first song. So, um, what do you want to do here? Uh, let's play it. Let's play it first. All right. And um, this is the Van Halen song that we're going to go with first, right? 
Yeah, this is going into battle right here. Yeah, right. From a young age up until now. Okay, so this is uh, Right Now uh, by Van Halen from the For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge album of 1991. That was it right there. That was great. <laughs> I mean, that... So that... That takes me right back to driving to uh, Pop Warner games, uh, you know, maybe I'm 9 or 10, uh, Peace River Conference. So we're driving all over from North Fort Myers um, and my dad, uh, you know, playing that song to get me pumped up uh, for a football game. And and I think looking back now, you realize just how powerful music is in terms of, uh, you know, getting you ready, in terms of getting, you know, getting your, you know, whatever it is, like your energy, your focus, your body, everything uh, ready for a particular moment. Um, and that song right now, it just, uh, you know, it's kind of become just like a like a walkout song for any major challenge, uh, professional or personal, or even with my kids now, taking them to their soccer games mm-hmm. or their baseball games and getting them fired up. That metaphorical war paint of sorts. Oh, man. I mean, musical uh, war paint. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I, I mean, I, I think I do that constantly as well. Yeah. It me, I mean that line. You know, it's your tomorrow. It means it means everything. Just about that that seizing of the moment. And you know, I'm not a huge Van Halen fan, but that that song. You know, even in my adult life, like uh, you know, coming here and listening to it and just thinking about just really trying to capture and, and seize, uh, you know, seize that moment. Um, you know, and we're really working hard at the school district with this new student assignment plan. And I remember being a teacher uh, presenting kind of like some alternative student assignment plans, which I don't want to go like too crazy nerdy (laughs) into the student (laughs) assignment plans, but it's a huge, it's a huge deal given Mm -hmm. our, given our history, our history with the desegregation order. And then some of the, some of the more concerning trends um, that we've seen recently. And so really trying to, you know, whenever I'm going to present to a parent group or a school group uh, playing that song and just realizing how important right now is uh, for, you know, for our future as a, as a community. And, Can you elaborate yeah. on that a little bit? Because oh, there are so many listeners that oh, we gonna, have that do not understand our... Oh, oh. We're going to talk about that okay. around we song have a plan. <laughs> okay, yeah. great. Well, gonna, I just more meant if you, if you wanted to elaborate more about that. Give us this, a rough outline. school, yeah. you know, because look, people that they don't live here, they don't understand maybe the history of our area. So if, from your perspective, we've had a lot, many guests talk about Fort Myers, uh, Southwest Florida, the, the segregation, desegregation. Well, I'm going to save that. That's, that's really central to the segment. Yeah, okay. so, yeah I'm going to save that. Um, and, we're going to get to we'll it. cut this part. You know, and, <laughs> we won't. No, and just uh, just to just to rank myself in some of the histo- local historians that you guys have had on, I am uh, I'm probably not on that all star team, uh, <laughs> even though I am a pretty big lo- like Jared Eady is probably the Michael Jordan of local history. I'm like the Sean Kemp, hey. but not the Sean Kemp from the Supersonics, but when he went to the Cavs. <laughs> oh man, I was like, hey, Supersonics, and then all right, well, all right, give yourself like Pippin or something, you know? Like, I'll take, you know, P- yeah, I could take. That's an MVP right there. I Come could on t- maybe take. Pippin. Yeah, all right. Uh, and I took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, did you or your dad have any other uh, like fight songs like that that you used, or was this like the ritual? No, I mean we had the the jock jams. Like so, jo- <laughs> yeah, that yes. was that was like the that was our soundtrack. Oh, Those were all, oh, you, the, no. yeah. He would have like a six disc changer, and jock jams would be yeah. five out five out of the six of them. Jock jams one, jock jams two. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we will rock you. We yeah. are the champions, and I think from just Queen, just the- <laughs> he just yeah, he loved. Uh, he he loved those drives. I think out there with me, we got to spend a lot of quality mm. time, and 
it wasn't anything about football. It was just about uh, the time because, you know, on the weekends, that's that was us. You know, I got to I got to go see my dad and spend time with him on the weekends. And when he moved back here, uh, you know, I think those drives out to the games and, you know, getting pumped up for the for the games was was really big for was really big for us. And I think it just encouraged me to to, to really continue my my passion and love uh, for music and what it, what it can do, you know, physically uh, for you as a person. So as you got older then, um, like, how did you develop your musical taste? Like, what, what became, let's say, like, into late adolescence, like, what was your your style? So I was, um, you know, I was born in 84, uh, so I was a child of the 90s. So those two huge mu- uh, musical movements of gangster rap mm-hmm. and grunge music uh, were really big, were really big for me. And ha- having the ability to explore everything in those in those genres and in realms is I'm a product of that, you know, and that's, I mean, that's a big macro history lesson too, is that we're all a product of our environment, that we don't emerge in a bubble or a vacuum, but that we're heavily influenced by the environment, the social environment, the entertainment environment, the leisure environment, uh, and that we're, we're products of that. But yeah, I mean, going back to the, you know, the nineties in terms of like your big ones of, you know, MTV and, uh, you know, Biggie Smalls, Tupac, Nas, DMX, uh, even getting into that, that Nelly range. And then on the grunge side, you know, the, 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 I think Nirvana was my, was my fourth CD that I ever owned. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was the, the first one? Nevermind Nirvana. Yeah. Never, yeah. yeah Nevermind. Uh, my first one was actually the Little Mermaid soundtrack. <laughs> so I they, love that so much. Yes. They were like, they were like, okay, if we could just give Adam oh. this one CD, maybe we'll set it, it'll set him on a track of just like uh, rainbow unicorn go- goodness, that sort yeah. of thing. And Under the Sea was uh, an underrated hit. It's a I banger. Think. It's <laughs> a banger. I like, yeah, I agree. Uh, but after that, I think it was um, I think it was MC Hammer, uh, mm-hmm. the first the first one, and then Nirvana came pretty soon. Did you ever want a pair of those pants? I might have had a pair of jams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might have. I might have had a pair of jams. Not but, fully admitting, <laughs> but they were they were maybe just oversized, hoping that I would grow into them. <laughs> not, not parachutes. Yeah. Just being, I, they know. just had the elastic uh, ankle, and that was it. But you just hoped. <laughs> Yeah, I well, I think that that if you think about those CDs that you just named, that might be like the musical arc, right? Like like Little Mer, like a, a Disney yeah, musical. All wonderful taste, by the way. MC Hammer, Nirvana, like <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's the arc. Did you ever go down the road of like that Master P kind of? Because you had the DMX oh my gosh, in there, so, yeah. Because the... I can't help my. I go dun 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 mm-hmm. dun, dun, dun like that just pops <laughs> in my head and reminds me of so much of my childhood. Yes. <laughs> like so this is this is probably this is I don't even want to I don't know if you I don't know if you can cut this out but I almost nope. bought a no limit record chain yeah, like, yes. it had no the, limit soldiers. That's yeah, what I it told had the, you. It had the little. I thought I told I thought you. I thought I told, no uh, limit. Like I'll put na 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 na. I I think it fell into the same category of me wanting a pager when I was uh, yes. in middle school. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, Dad, I, I really want to buy a no oh. limit record chain. It had a tank on it. I wanted to be a part of the no limit crew, the yeah. Silk the I'm Shocker, the Sea Murder. Grant Malloy Smith for a no limit soldier <laughs> chain and a beeper and like, can you just imagine? Like for real with the tank. And the diamonds, like dad. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Uh, they, they declined the chain, which was which respectfully was, declined. Yes, I'll. I will thank them for that. That probably wouldn't have been the best. The best move, but oh, I love it. Uh, you know, and so 
the, a lot of you know those those little groups became so popular. You know, Cash Money was another one out of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It really did give you a look into some of the regional uh, the regional looks of race, poverty, intersectionality, that sort of thing, which was cool. Uh, you know, and I, I think that that's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to rap is because it wasn't so much about like an other side uh, type of thing. Uh, but in Fort Myers, sometimes it, you struggled to see uh, some of the challenges faced by, you know, by by the urban, uh, by urban poor or, or or blacks in our area. So I think I think rap, you know, not only was it hugely popular, but it also gave me a it also gave me a little bit of a lens to to see how this art form was created as a as a form of expression uh, of opposition of pride. And I think that that I think that that did that did draw me in. But, um, you know, I became in high school, too. Eminem was really popular. So I know that you want to talk about appropriation of musical styles, but a successful appropriation. I think Eminem's I think his second album came out when I was a a sophomore Mm -hmm. uh, in high school, the Marshall Mathers LP. And that was, you know, that was really big, you know, because you're going through that angsty kind of rage uh, in high school. And I had just gotten diagnosed with type one juvenile diabetes. And for me, uh, Eminem's. Eminem, I think, had a track on there called "Kill You," which I just yep, thought yeah. I just thought it was like, uh, and he, you know, he took a lot of critique for it. But if you're looking at music as an outlet for emotion, an emotion that could be harmful if not expressed properly through mm-hmm. music, yeah. I thought that that was just like very therapeutic. You know, listening to that track and then being able to say, "I'm so angry because I don't know what this means for me," um, and I know his anger was coming from you know upbringing and family and a lot of trauma. Uh, and mine was I was just angry that I got diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes, but yeah, I, I, I connected with uh, with that album pretty well. Yeah, there's a catharsis in in saying things that you would never do, but that's but saying them in, in and of itself, like the expression. Also, um, I don't know which album it is, but um, um, Who Knew? Yeah. Is similar, it, it is the same kind of thought vein, right? Where like he's expressing himself and catching some of that 90s like... Um, hysteria about rap music and saying like i just this is what i this is what i'm thinking i I can say what i'm thinking um did did you um did your parents get on board especially like like was your dad into that you know he wasn't uh he wasn't i don't think he was a a real big consumer of rap but he recognized that rap for for my my generation and my my friend group and my peer group was probably something uh, like what he had when he was a kid, uh, and that his parents or his grandparents probably you know were very concerned. Um, you know, and I think uh, a good you know Jared Eady, who you guys have had on, he says history doesn't repeat; it just rhymes. He might even <laughs> say, he might even said it on your show. Yep. I think in terms of I think in terms of music, uh, that's that's absolutely you know right. You know, it's like the same thing that you see about the Super Bowl halftime show, and everybody's like, I don't know what this means or. Uh, <laughs> I, this is scary to me, or this is yeah. jarring. Well, it's like that for every generation. You know, there's I feel just. Like a, I'm one of the only people that liked that halftime show too, and I was like, I actually kind of thought it was neat and weird. I'm going to say it right now. It was the greatest halftime show I've ever. I seen. I really enjoyed it. I really did. Oh, I really thought it was gonna... cool, and I thought it was weird and bold, and I really enjoyed it. We're... I liked all everything about it. We're mostly going to disagree because of the Prince halftime show. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. If you're, <laughs> anyway. yeah, if you're go, if we're going to Prince, that's... we digress. Uh, okay. We digress. But... Uh... <laughs> But think about think yeah. about the double consciousness in what the weekend was trying to show yeah. about how yes. it, and, uh, about how it um, having to view your eyes through uh, and this is not double consciousness just in the race sense but double consciousness in the sense of uh, you know 
how Hollywood wants you to be seen and how you, you lose your identity and you lose yourself the more that you become more and more successful. Yeah. The further up, you have to compete with all these other people who are willing to do it. Mm-hmm. So you have to do it. Um, so, how that hits in the feels no matter what we do in life, right, though? I mean, Hollywood regardless, but you think about that in anything that you do, you know. Yeah. Oh, for some reason, that, that just made me go to like a different deep well, place. I was I, like, man, yeah. I think that's, man, yeah. <laughs> that's why we really, I think that's why everybody that gets gets super into music really appreciates like when like, like an auteur, oh. like when somebody who really likes to make music makes it big. Because then you're you get to see the success of something that's not just been like ground into a gray mush for consumption. Like it's it's art. You might not know this about me, but I love stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so do uh, do your kids? This is wonderful because here's what I have written down right next to that. Do your kids listen to any music that you don't stand or understand? Oh, that's a so my kids actually really get into a lot of the music that we listen to. So you you, you mentioned the weekend. They're getting ready for the game uh, song is uh, Party Monster by the weekend. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so they they actually really enjoy some of the songs that that we like. You know, my son he's seven, and my my daughter, uh, you know, she's five. They're not quite at that. I'm I'm exploring my own genres. They don't have control over the Bluetooth in the car. They right. don't have control over that yet. I'm excited for. I'm excited and a little anxious to see like how they how they make music their own sure. and then how that diverges from where I am. I mean, they might I was never a big country fan. And so maybe they like really get into some of this new country stuff that's coming out. And I'm like, man, I don't really see that. But uh, but I, I am excited for that. I think that that kids pose a, a very unique challenge to how uh, parents view themselves um, and what's acceptable and what's not what's unacceptable. Um so when you, when you are listening, like you said, you know, they don't have access to the Bluetooth in the car. Um, how do you usually listen to music, like the majority of your music listening? So I have Amazon uh, Music and, you know, create little playlists for whatever's going on at the time. Um, my wife, she has Apple Music and does the same thing. And I think she's really been... Uh, she's been the one that's really turned me on to a lot of new stuff recently. I think Apple just has a, a, a really good algorithm for suggesting music that she might like based on, you know, things in... You know, credit to the credit to the algorithm. I've been I've been critiquing the uh, the AI algorithm a lot. You know, in our social context and our political context. But in terms of music, uh, she's gotten you know Leon Bridges, Nathaniel Rateliff, uh, even some Lauren Daigle, kind of the spiritual stuff, which I've really liked. Uh, and you know, I I think that that's the way that we primarily listen to music. So we're able to put on the Bluetooth speakers in the house, and same thing, just play, just run through those playlists. When was the ooh, sorry? I thought when was the last time you bought music that had a physical form? a physical form oh my i know that i yeah i know that i bought uh dr dre's the chronic um well (laughs) yeah well after it should have ever been bought in a yeah in a store so i know i had it and then i i i I lost it somewhere and i was like oh you have to have this album you know in your in your in your collection and i know i went back at a much older age and it was you know there was it was there somehow among a number of other useless items that are being sold at, you know, CD stores now. So I have a, I have a fun way that, that um, you may be able to uh, um, sow some seeds for your kids. So um, there's this guy on YouTube who uh, wrapped um, Dr. Seuss okay. over, um, uh, over like, ba- like backtracks yeah. for rap songs. And he did um, Fox and Socks um, over uh, the difference between me and you. And so my daughter, who is eight, like you can play like bump, 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 
Bomb, but she sings the Fox and Socks lyrics, Aww. and 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 um, it's it's really fun to do because like for you, <laughs> you're gonna hear the original. Yeah, song. you hear the song, but but it's it's really good. So if you look up um, uh, I can't remember his last name, but his first name I, I think it's Wes Tank is his, I think is his last name, um, and the uh, I think the Dr. Seuss channel he got he blew up he went viral. So I think the Dr. Seuss YouTube channel actually. Um, purchase them from him because they're not on his channel anymore, but they're still on YouTube <laughs> on their channel. Oh, I love it. So it's so good. Anyway, um, all right. Uh, I think it's about time to get to your yes. second song. Can I describe, uh, can I set this one up a little bit? You can set it up Please as much do, yeah. as you want. So this one takes me, this song is uh, right to the classroom. Uh, I was a teacher for 12 years. I taught U.S. history at North Fort Myers High, uh, very involved in trying to connect, um, you know, whatever topic that we were covering uh, to to local to local history, um, and I use songs a lot. So we would do song analysis as it related to a particular theme. Um, and my focus in history is really has really been the civil rights movement, local civil rights movement, uh, studying that and trying to understand that, bringing it to life. And I think that you know when you're dealing with really difficult subjects uh, like race, um, it's it's even harder when you when you make it local because it becomes a lot more personal. Uh, and we we talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the show. You know, history is not just about seeing the events and the individuals, but it's about seeing yourself and making yourself visible in the in the development of history. Uh, and we would do you know personal history stuff a lot, uh, you know, in our classroom, and uh, we would do examinations of uh, you know of events in our area to try to illuminate the, the the story and for kids to see themselves as historical agents and actors uh, in our own community. Uh, so going to the classroom right here, we're doing a song analysis. We're we're studying lynching and how lynching was used to uphold uh, the racial order in America. And you know, lynching itself, even as a term, uh, is antiquated for kids. You know that extra that mob violence, but when they when they when they were able to study the the lynching um, in 1924 here in Fort Myers, uh, they were able to they were able to connect to it a little bit better. And so we did a song analysis of Billie Holiday's "Strange Fruit," which. Uh, which I thought was, you know, was powerful and has since become synonymous with the study of lynching or the anti-lynching movement. Uh, But something was missing. And Kanye West Yeezus had just come out uh, that that year. 2013. Yeah. 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 2013, 2014. Uh, And this is, you know, this is really me getting into my groove as a teacher where I felt so comfortable pushing the envelope uh, in allowing kids to really generate uh, and transform learning, not just about, you know, the transmission, but it was about that transformation of knowledge. And so we would, you know, we would analyze, we would analyze the song. uh, And then I was like, man, something's really missing. You know, this isn't. This isn't really hitting. Uh, so Yeezus is there. And then on that album is Blood on the Leaves, which he actually doesn't use Billie Holiday. He uses Nina Simone's mm-hmm. rendition yeah. uh, in 1969 at the beginning of the track. And what I loved uh, what I loved about that that song is that it, it represented what I saw in the youth so well. That, yes, history was a part of it, but it became nuanced and, and more complex. And it became very spastic, like, like almost uh, – uncontrolled uncontrollable like chaos theory and i thought out of that chaos so the song represented that but it it had that blood on the leaves aspect to it and seeing these kids just you know they were 
it allowed them a clearer lens in which to view what I wanted them to view. It wasn't like using Billie Holiday. Like I was asking him, hey, look at it like your grandpa would look at it. I was asking him to look at it like how you would want to look at it, not, not even myself. And tell me what you think and tell me what this means. And then, and then run me through it. Run me through 1924 to now and how this has been perpetuated and how this original sin of slavery and racism still maintains right but has changed and become more nuanced and that's that's what Kanye did with the with the hook uh and it was you know it was it was powerful and i remember the kids producing all these projects uh what we transitioned it after the lynching was they they did the you know the the really the research in the Fort Myers press which uh has been a decent amount of work done but then they were to create like a welcome to Fort Myers billboard you know so they had to they had oh. to kind of they they kind of had to see Fort Myers uh for you know, some of those darker elements, some of those, mm-hmm. you know, some of those scarier elements. But that's the most important part about history is that critical approach, uh, because that way uh, that way you can reconcile uh, and move forward and you can try to break some of that perpetuation down. All right. Well, let's let's listen to it now and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about their their takeaways from it on the other side. Uh, this is Blood on the Leaves, the radio edit um, by Kanye West off of the Yeezus album from 2013. So they were able to see R.J. Johnson and Milton Williams, the two uh, the two black males, uh, 16 and 14, I think, were their their ages. Um, they could see them as as people. They could see the gasoline trucks being rolled into the Safety Hill Dunbar area. The threat of burning down the entire black community if these two were not found. Um, they were able to see the power structure. All of those names listed, uh, some of which you know are, are still you know pretty. Pretty famous in Fort Myers history. Um, I think in the class at the time, they were even they, they, somebody was even related to the sheriff at the time uh, that 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 was a part of this entire thing. So like the you know the the line was that they met their their hand, or they met their death at the hands of persons unknown, which is about as a generic line for lynching yeah. that you could ever have. Um, and you know the sheriff at the time was overwhelmed, and I want to say that uh, I want to say that. Um, that Milton Williams was the one that was in the that was in jail. R.J. was found, I believe, uh, on a train car headed north the next day. Uh, but yeah, it's just one of those instances where the kids are able to to say, "Okay, I, I I know I know a little bit about this," but then to personalize it locally and to see that a, a event, and then it starts. It just really starts this this chain reaction, uh, this chaotic uh, you know chain reaction within themselves about trying to identify, you know, what's their area, trying to identify Fort Myers and trying to understand, well, you know, a lot of these things that you hear about or that you see, um, you know, you don't, you're not able to really feel that pain. Uh, I think it allowed, I think it allowed that sort of that connection. So I was happy that, that Kanye had that uh, or used that, that rendition uh, specifically for this lesson. But I, you know, I was able to, I was able to try to change my focus too. Then uh, for a lot of our lessons, and try to use more modern songs, you know, and to try to connect them. So uh, Kendrick Lamar's, you know, "How to Pimp a Butterfly," uh, mm-hmm. something, you know, something along those lines, where it had, where it had so much of this depth and, and meaning, and that kids really, kids really got into. It was very popular. It was very popular at the time, uh, but it had a consciousness about it. And that's, I mean, that was the whole point of teaching was to create consciousness within our, within our kids. Uh, you know the Fort Myers history stuff is is so vital for me, um, and I think this year it just it, it was it was so important 
uh, and I, you know, I felt a little guilty for, you know, for not being in the classroom and not really working, uh, you know, with these students and helping them, you know, kind of work through this and understand the history and understand what it meant for them. Um, you know, Fort Myers was a Union fort uh, in the Civil War. It was, I mean, it was never a Confederate fort. Uh, you know, the naming of it and the statue and the symbol uh, is inaccurate history. It, it's not, I mean, it, it's not accurate. So, uh, you know, it was, there was even a battle of Fort Myers, you know, in which the Union defeated the Confederacy, you know, holding the fort uh, in the Civil War. Um, you know, it wasn't a crazy important battle in terms of the outcome of the Civil War. But for us locally, I think it shows us that the Union the Union had a, had a fort here, a presence here. They defeated the Confederacy, you know, and then studying the history of integration and you see the Daughters of the Confederacy and the, uh, um, you know, the, the statue of Robert E. Lee or the bust of Robert E. Lee. Well, that doesn't go up until the first year of school integration in 1965, right after the Blaylock case was filed. Um, and that to me and, you know, tying all those things in so that kids can, kids can process that. Uh, because if you don't accurately know where you've been, then you don't know where you're standing and you definitely don't know where you're going. So where have we been here in this town in, with, as far as segregation goes? Yes, yeah, so segregation runs deep. You know, it was, uh, it was a segregated city um, really as – well, I mean they, there you get into some complexity because the two first settlers were actually non-white. Right. So you had Nelson Tillis and um, Manuel Gonzalez it might have been or uh, there, might, uh, there was another uh, homesteader right around that same time. But as the population starts to get bigger and then follow, following regional – uh, national trends, you see the entrenchment of uh, of Jim Crow laws, and you see the, the the moving of blacks to Safety Hill, which eventually becomes Dunbar Heights. You see the deed and covenant restrictions all along the McGregor corridor, uh, and you know having my kids grapple with that, like, well, why do, why is residential segregation you know continued to perpetuate itself? Is it by choice, right? And you know, getting them to understand the laws. Uh, that there were uh, that there was an access to uh, uh, to mortgages, or that certain uh, neighborhoods uh, were redlined, um, and that it, it, it makes it just makes sense. It, it, you can look at Fort Myers, and you can look at it through this you know through this lens of well, it's it's somehow like a new South uh, of tourism and beaches, uh, but it, it holds a lot of that old South or deeper South history uh, in there. And, and, I, and to be clear. You're talking about 1965. Like this yeah. is not, you know, the the turn of the century. Yes, I'll I'll bring it I'll bring it even a little closer that we had our fir- we have our first black school board member uh, that they were elected two years ago. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. We had our first black baseball coach in high school history, uh, you know, seven years ago. So so WGCU did a story a few years back. Um, about uh, a dumping area that was that was permitted by the city um, for like industrial chemical dumping, and it was kind of right in the middle of that area. And um, in in the in the investigation, we realized how that had all because we we're like, how is this possible that this is happening? And what it turned out to be was that um, back in in that era <laughs> um, was when the was when the agreement was like certified by the city and the open discussion for that to occur by city council um, was held on the south side of the tracks um, and it was held at like 8 or 9 p.m. at night and back then uh, if you were black you couldn't go south of the tracks after sundown so they held a meeting 
that the law kind of precluded black people from going to. And then in that meeting, they agreed, hey, why don't we dump all this stuff in that sludge. neighborhood where those people can't come to the meeting? Yeah. Um, and everybody, you know, it passed. And then and then that kind of got forgotten how it happened. Um, and then just, you know, that's just always how it's been. And it wasn't until the story broke that we start to see some traction on on change for that. Um, I think Tara wanted to commend you. So <laughs> I'm going to let yeah, like. Uh I'm 32. Uh, I basically was raised here. I've lived in the Southwest Florida since I was seven. Um, I have never in my educational career had an educator, teacher, um, some kind of educational mentor cover race, racial issues in any sort of depth in any way, shape, or form. I didn't know personally about Juneteenth until I worked and as an intern at WGC Public Media, and they were doing stories about it. I had no idea about the history, the history of where I live. Um, you look to educators, or at least I did. Uh, I was I was a very good student. I love to learn. I love to read. Um, so when you're provided certain materials, you gravitate in certain ways. And it's not until I was older that I found out my own and educated myself. Um, and it we, strangely, it's very hurtful that children are not provided the opportunity to understand the history of where they come from, where other people who sit right next to them come from. So I just admire the fact that you are okay with meet and meeting kids, younger people, where they are using modern music, but then also tied in by the incomparable Nina Simone. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah. and I, I just appreciate the fact that you are you are okay to have those difficult conversations with students. And when you said that it hurt you to not be able to go to school and help them through this time, it, you know, it makes you, me, me, uh, lament for the fact that I didn't have an educator that was the same way. But it makes me very happy that there are some here, especially where we live. So, yeah, no, personal, yeah, I, a little personal anecdote. I suppose. No, I do appreciate the I do appreciate the compliment. But, you know, it's I, I am lucky that I, I have a cohort of, of teachers and very energetic teachers that are, you know, pushing the envelope and, and living on the edge as it relates to critical pedagogy and challenging and unique and innovative approaches to teaching subjects. And for me, it was just the most fun. You know, if you do this, uh, if you do this m- I don't know, mythological, you know, history where you're creating uh, gods out of nothing. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't I don't think to me it seemed real. You know, I learned more about Zeus than Jim Crow. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Unfortunate, the unfortunate truth. Right. It's just that's it's very hopeful to know that that's not the case for everyone in our local education system, too. You know. Yeah, no, we're doing we we are we're doing a a really good job and, you know, in our classrooms and, you know, the kids, the kids really deserve it. You know, there's no better time than now to really to to really get them to reconcile with some of these uh, some of these aspects, uh, because similar to music, you know, as you blend these things together, as you integrate, you know, these histories together, as you pull it together, uh, you've got I mean, you have a force that's really strong and powerful. And and if you keep separating it out and if you keep dividing it and and you keep uh, stratifying it, it just it, it, I think it punts it, you know, it just punts it down the road. And it's like, uh, we, we don't have time for that now. Yeah. You know, we, have, we need to be able to talk openly and we need to be able to understand, uh, you know, certain aspects of, of privilege and class and gender and all those things. I mean, that's, you know, and kids get that too. Um, you know, kids really understand that. Uh, they don't want to just sit down and take notes off the whiteboard anymore. They want to talk. 
All right, they want to engage. Yeah, and and what a good way to do it using you know the the music of their time, and then and then like you said, when it when it kind of dovetails with with older music. Um, we've been talking recently quite a few times about how um, music is this great, um, not only personal history, time travel lens, but like if you listen to the music from an era, you can get a window into the era. And I think that this is probably like one of the best versions. Um, all right, whew. We did it. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Richard. Um, Mike's not here. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. What's the... <laughs> <laughs> we have to at least point that out a couple times. Let's do a, a wow in his honor. Wow. <laughs> what was the last concert or show that you went to before social distancing? So my wife and I went to, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, we went to Leon Bridges at the Fillmore in Miami Beach, which was, I mean, beautiful. We, we, I mean, and that, that kind of leads us into our, our, our third song. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, we can go there now if you want. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. Can I can I set the can I set the stage? Too? However, oh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Please. So this set one is this one is fantastic. So in you know in the in the COVID nineteen era, my wife uh, she's uh, she works in healthcare and you know she was never quarant- she went in every day and she treated very sick patients. She works in oncology um, and she's just I mean she really is just a, an angel. But you know what COVID nineteen really it brought a, it shook, it shook a lot of things. It shook a lot of your normal routines and patterns. And, you know, for, for us, uh, you know, routines, patterns, and what we did as a couple was, you know, it was a part of who we were. So this was just like this earthquake, you know, the kids were now home. I was working from home, starting a new job and helping them, uh, you know, through school. Uh, she was going in and having to, you know, come in and change her clothes and go in the shower before she could even, you know, talk to us. But, you know, that leads us into, uh, Leon Bridges and Beyond, and really the Good Thing album. I think it was 2018. Uh, we, you know, he we had the record, and we would just after the kids went down, we would we would listen to it. Uh, we would talk about some very challenging things. We all became like epidemiologists, and we were like, okay, what are the numbers now, and what do we need to do as a family in order to get back to normal? But you know, you realize that maybe you were chasing, uh, you were just chasing dreams or chasing air there. Uh, but we, yeah, I mean, we would talk about everything. I mean. It, just having that record on in the background, it just takes me to not turning on the TV and not looking at our phones, uh, but looking at each other and just having a conversation. I know, I know it sounds like, uh, like crazy romantic, um, but, uh, but yeah, Leon Bridges takes me to those conversations. Um, you know, and some of the lines in, in that song, uh, she might just be my everything. Uh, I just, you know, you realize that in that moment, which was very hard and stressful, uh, and you know, compounded. I'm sure hard and stressful for, uh, for you know, for for other people. Uh, you know, besides my wife and I. But I just, you know, the just being able to talk to her and realizing that you know, going through this, we were we were going to have that, and uh, that we were always going to be able to to talk to each other. And even if we argued about the rules of rummy or card games that we were playing, uh, even if we disagreed. Uh, on certain approaches uh, like reopening school or how that how that all would work out and um, you know how we foresaw ourselves in this in this world uh, you know just being able to listen to the music relax um, and really uh, you know get back to the get back to the the best friend stuff that you know the bass as we call it uh, so yeah my wife and I was just just the bass and getting back to that bass and being there for each other. So that's uh, that's Leon Bridges Beyond, but it really could have been any song on either side of that record. Um, and we were a little bit late to the record phase 
Uh, my wife was like, one one year for Christmas, she was like, I, you know, I really want a record player, and I had no clue where it was coming from. But as soon as she said that, I was like, well, we got to get a record player. So, uh, Leon Bridges' albums, uh, you know, that on the on the sound, they just it has it has just a great it has a really great feel to it. Um, but yeah, we got to see him in concert too. And so just think, like when this song plays, just think of you and your best friend, you know, your partner, uh, you know, anybody that you can really connect with. Uh, just kind of, I don't know, just sinking in and and realizing that everything's going to be okay because at least you have uh, you have each other to talk to. All right, well, let's listen. This is Beyond by Leon Bridges off the Good Thing album from 2018. So, when's the last time you two sat and listened to that? Oh, it's, yeah, this uh, probably this week. Yeah? Yeah, this week, maybe on um, Monday. Uh, yeah, just put it on, listen to the album. Um. Yeah. Just break. You know. Took it. Took, took some. Took some breaths. Good. Are you the type to kind of like, um, my 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 boyfriend? I would like dance in the kitchen and like dance around the house a little bit. Do you do you do that kind of stuff? Nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Nonstop. So it, it remind. I mean, it kind of reminds me too of our wedding song. Our wedding song was "Every Time" by Babyface. Mm-hmm. Uh. So it's kind of got that same feel to it. We liked uh, Mariah Carey's. You know, we belong together. So it's kind of oh, yeah. it's got that it's got that cool little pop vibe to it too. Um, do you and your wife's musical tastes align a lot? I think she would be less into some of the more, uh, I don't know if you would call it like, uh, you know, gangster rapper street. Master P. Yes. Yeah. She's she, <laughs> like, so back. yeah. So right now, uh, I think just before I came in, I was listening to um, Jeezy featuring Yo Gotti and it was back and it was like, I got the hood on my back type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I doubt that she would, I think that she would fast forward past that every single time. But where, where we have joined is it's like the on the run tour so she's a big beyonce fan i am i was a jay-z fan now (laughs) i have to say we went to two on the run tour concerts that's cool and beyonce just dominated jay-z in Mm. terms of uh, i I mean it wasn't even it wasn't even a question i felt bad for jay-z i was like (laughs) i I was like i don't even want to hear jay-z I don't want to hear any more of his songs. I just want to hear Beyonce. She had just had that, she had that that crazy performance. But yeah, we're 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 big into music and playing music in the car and at home and you know everywhere. Kids love music too. All right, we're gonna do a little bit of a speed round here. So, if you were a championship wrestler, uh, what music would you come out to other than right now? Cannot pick that again. Oh, until I collapse by Eminem. I mean, like I see you and I could totally envision you coming down the ramp and everything. I'm a huge wrestling fan. That's my question. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I, I'm kind of envisioning your look. You know, you know, it's hard to it's hard to get like a physical intimidation where where you're like kind of like a social agent of change. You know, wearing just like a plain black shirt. <laughs> sure. and, you know, like, you're, you're, you're all black chucks. Yeah. Like, like just the, the briefs. Like that's and that's pretty ballsy. I'll say. You know, just wearing black briefs. You know wait, no, I mean? no. And he was and, the most badass. Wait, and a and vest the, and a leather. Well, sometimes, right? Okay. Anyway, we won't go too okay, far. I'll do, okay. Black briefs is what you chose. All okay. Right. Uh, if, if a bartender, if a bartender had to make a drink that epitomized you, what would that drink be? Oh my goodness! I don't know if so. Yeah, this is boozy or not. I so I would. Yeah, never, yeah, no, I would never. I don't know if I've ever had this drink, but I do think that it carries the same energy mm-hmm. and connection. So it was called the Hulk, and it involved hypnotic. Uh, yes, and it was the Incredible <laughs> Hulk. Yes, the shot. Yes, the I think. Shot. It, yes. I think it was green. It okay, green. Um, and it just. I, I am extremely energetic. It's a very immature energy that I've always kept with me, and I bring to anything or any project that I'm doing. But yeah, I think that that, that the Hulk sounds to me very energetic and spastic in some 
somewhat immature and maybe ill-placed. Uh, oh. and, I, and I think that, that's, that that could be me at times. One part cognac, one part hypnotic. Boom. It's got a little cognac. It's got a little history flair to it. Okay. And now I would like you, because it is an existing <laughs> name, name it after yourself somehow. Name. What, yeah. what would you call What would you name drink? this cocktail if, if not that? It's not the Incredible Hulk. It's the. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's great. It's not the Incredible Hulk. Um, it's the Historian. The historian. Ooh, I, like I have to say, the next Powerful. thing that comes up under what is this? What is the drink? It's how how strong is it? Uh, <laughs> so I'm sorry, I have to do this. Oh, Google. Um, yeah. So how much alcohol does the incredible drink Hulk drink contain? Uh, so it says about eighty proof. Okay. Yeah, solid. Like yeah, a, like a good bourbon. That's zero to a hundred. Right nice. there. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Are there any songs that you avoid listening to because of a song story that you've attached to it? Whew, man, that's a that's a really good question. There, you know, um, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Blue October. Not me. They did a they did a Hate Me. Uh, it, it was one of their more famous songs, but it just had this oh, it had this really uh, depressing kind of uh, connection to to family and broken relationships. Oh, yeah, they're like a ni- '90s alt band. It was like yeah. yeah, hate me today, hate me tomorrow, hate me for all the things that mm. you know that sort of thing, and it just it was really a you know, and I I, I would have my kids analyze that song because I wanted to see what they came up with, um, and it really brought out for clarity. You mean your students, not your five and seven year old, <laughs> yeah, your children, <laughs> my kids. Yeah, no, yeah. this was too. Yeah. This is too much for them. Uh, this is too much for them. They they're currently analyzing Stan uh, by Eminem. So they, oh. yeah, little fan, little fandom gone wild. But uh, we had a guest on here who had who. Whose song was the Dido song? Okay, but uh, she had never heard Stan, and I was like, "That's impossible." <laughs> Stan came out prior to the Dido album, I think, coming out, right? Uh, no, because it's in the background of yeah. it, right? Like yeah. it's yeah, it's what plays in the background, it's what's sampled. But I was like, most people know, like if I if you sing. Um, my tea's gone cold. I wonder why I got out of bed at all. If you sing that to somebody, they're going to go, Dear Slim. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I write you, but you still ain't calling. <laughs> yes. Um, um, what album or song do you wish you could hear for the first time again? Hmm. Man, that, uh, there was a, there was a link that when Lincoln Park first came out, um, I, I want to say that uh, yeah, I want to say that first Lincoln Park uh, album that was extremely popular. I, I really that to me that I mean, and I, I know that I'm being a little bit vague in terms of the titles and the record, but that, that to me just has it's got a lot of it's the uh, one with one step closer yeah. on it, right? Yeah, yep. um, I'm gonna look it up right now. Hybrid, no, not hybrid theory. I'm looking uh, it up before that. Yeah, because I think I feel num- bad because I own all of them. I know, and I think I think Num was on. I think Num was on the the next one. Uh, but yeah, One Step Closer was on there. It is Hybrid Theory. Is oh, it? there hey. we go. Yeah, two thousand album Hybrid Theory. Oh, hey, look at that. Um, yeah, okay. Um, do you have a favorite band of all time? Ooh, band of all time. Yeah, I do. I would say that, man. I would say either between Stone Temple Pilots uh, or Alice in Chains. And then, yeah, I mean, that uh, Alice in Chains Hell probably. Yeah. yeah. I just listened to, or listened to Alice in Chains, uh, Flies in a Jar, right? Oh. Uh, the, my boyfriend just got the vinyl. So mm. uh, we, were li- we, we love vinyl and listen to records. We try to listen to them as often as we can. Have you, did you, have you gotten to see uh, SDP or Alice no. in Chains at all? I got to see Stone Temple Pilots right before he died. Really? Mm. Yeah. Just yeah. the same thing happened to me when I saw um, Soundgarden. Yep, then he died right that, after yeah. that. And I'm like, why? Jeez. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I listened for like a year straight. I listened to the Alice in Chains MTV Unplugged. Oh, yeah. Like the Unplugged 
the unplugged performance. I wish that series would come back. De- me too, because I I think the Nirvana one is actually maybe one of the best thing that's ever happened to live music. Like it's incredible. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. <sighs> okay. Um, is there a band or music or musician that you've recently gotten into that you want to tell people about? Like, is your chance to proselytize for something new for you? So. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's new to to anybody else, uh, but Nathaniel Nathaniel Rateliff, um is is awesome. He's got some he's got some great jams. Um, you know, really 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 great song. Uh, Tyler Childers, uh, kind of like a I don't know if you would call it like a hardcore kind of country type of thing, but he's got some he's got some decent songs out there. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, besides that, no. I okay. think yeah, I think those are probably my two. Uh, what would your 14-year-old self think of who you are today? I think that they would be very happy at my uh, my commitment to, uh, to 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 family and to um, the study of uh, civil rights and local history. I think that I had that kind of that spark a little bit when I was when I was younger. Uh, I didn't devour as many books um, as I as I did in college and high school. Uh, and I think that my 14-year-old self would be like, I can't believe you read uh, and wrote that much. Uh, or if you, you know, that you've, I think that they would be very happy that I, I just, I stayed committed to wanting to uh, change things uh, for the better as it related to things like school policy or, um, you know, some of the alarming resegregation trends and student assignment plans and, and trying to create a, a better structure or system and have a seat at the table. So I think my 14-year-old self would be would be happy with that. All right. And Tara, would you do the hard question, please? All right. So we have this question that we've been asking some folks, and I think you may have now heard this since you're an avid fan. Uh, out of your three songs, we ask you to place each song into a category. The first song being this song. Well, I, I might be messing up the order that we asked traditionally, but the first song is you will be able to ensure that this song is listened to forever in perpetuity by everyone. It will stay, remain in history the next song is the only song that whenever you try to listen to music, this is the only song you will hear, no matter what. You turn on a radio, you put headphones on, this is the only thing. The third song disappears entirely from existence. So the memory you had, the impact it had in any kind of way is now just gone. How would you categorize that? Uh, categorize the three? So the first one mm-hmm. would be um, would be Leon Bridges. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the second song for Perpetuity? No, the, no, fir- the, the, the first, first song is, in, is, first is one. that everyone will get to listen to it, no matter what. It'll live on through history. Everyone will have. Yeah, I think that the 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 hope and promise of uh, of love and everything and mm-hmm. and being you know having that romantic uh, approach. I think Leon Bridges. I would I would really like that. In All right, now the song you only get to listen to for the rest of time. This is it. You I'm holding. It. I'm gonna hold blood on the leaves. Yeah. There you go. And then now, the sorry, one that's gone forever. Sorry, Van Halen. See ya. <laughs> gone. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right now, it's not your tomorrow. Uh, you are. You are now. You are now kicked out for, forever. There are other fight songs in in all defense. Jock jams. Yeah. <laughs> jock jams. There's at least yeah, at least twelve jock jams. Perfect. And that was great. Thank uh, you. All right, Adam. It's time to recommend three people that you think um, that you're committing to share the podcast with, who you think would be good guests for us. So yeah, I was uh, I was kind of brainstorming, you know, listening to the listening to you know other people's recommendations, and you know I was like, man, I, and you don't get to pick your dad because he's already been on the show. He's already been on, yeah. you know, and I he can be a, he can be edgier, I think, than he was uh, <laughs> than he was on the podcast. Maybe we'll make 
we'll, an exception. We can do a father-son episode one day. Maybe. Oh, we'll maybe, see. Like a little mini. We'll do a mini. <laughs> maybe. Just have him lecture me about how Slash is We'll not. just record it. Yes. <laughs> just Ooh, do that. We could have a debate where you guys bring yes. your best cases that, for, for your Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, Slash. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Side note. No, plug, side note. Plug two to my dad. He actually did a legal debate in my class. We did the case for reparations. Tanahasi Coates. Oh, spectacular. We br- yeah, we brought in two lawyers and they debated it for my class. And my class, they were like the, the, my dad and his opponent were actually getting into it. I was like, oh, geez, settle down. <laughs> I love it. Settle down. But uh, so I'm going to recommend uh, Lowell Hart, who is one of the leading medical oncologists. Uh, he works for Florida Cancer Specialists, um, and he does. He does he does a lot of research uh, with our area and, and you know really important work. Uh, I think it would be great. He's you know he, he he's older. Uh, he's got a lot of um, you know he's got a lot of experience, and I think that it would be really cool to to hear his stories. I would love to see his history, like Wonderful. his his mm-hmm. visual. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say uh, Dr. Jeff Spiro uh, from the school district of Lee County. Uh, he is the chief academic officer, uh, and he um, you know long time you know, Fort Myers uh, stakeholder. And I, I think I would really like to hear his, uh, you know, his his songs and his memories. Um, and, he, you know, plus he was he played such a vital role, role this past year and his team um, and the chiefs and the leadership and in, in the different learning models and reopening school. And, I, you know, that to me, you know, I was talking to him the other day. I was just like, man, how do you how do you process how important the work that your team was doing, you know, that that we were doing to try to reopen? Like, how are we going to view ourselves, you know, this past summer when we were really trying to reopen schools and how to do it in a safe manner? Um, and I think that that I think that that would be cool to hear. Uh, and then, you know, I have I have two. I have Mich- uh, Michelle Freeman, principal at Franklin Park uh, and Gwen Gittins, uh, school board member uh, for the school district of Lee County. And really, I, I would love to hear the songs of all the school board members. Right. Um, <laughs> the they, more people that you call, say a bunch of names yeah. right now and then but you're committing to tell them that you, you have to said tell all their of names. Them. Yeah, oh, said absolutely. Their name and then they'll listen and Go. hopefully they'll be. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Jacqueline <laughs> McMiller, um, Jim Kroll. He's a teacher, uh, IB coordinator at Lexington. Jim Kroll's got an amazing background and he's far more intelligent and humorous than I could ever dream of being. Uh, and he would be, he would be great for you guys. But yeah, those are the ones that I will communicate with and, and, and see if they would have any interest. And I know that at least three or four of them will. It's a deal. Awesome. All right. Do you have any final thoughts for us, Adam? I just want to thank you guys for, you know, for the, for the approach. Uh, you know, it's, it has so much more depth, uh, than I could ever get in the classroom. But if I could take this lesson, this three song lesson, and I've actually used it as conversation with our good friends is tell me your three songs. And it's, you know, everybody said it, it is very challenging because a lot of the songs that you just put on in the car don't take you to a a specific place. But in terms of a, a, a school lesson, I would like to see kids starting to think of their three songs, um, and where that puts them. Uh, so that they can start to, you know, so that they can start to process how this all works, that you will one day look back and you will realize that those huge moments in your life, right, equated to exactly who you are right now, you know, and connecting those dots. So I, I appreciate your guys' work. I love the three song stories. I love being able to visualize uh, and not just see my past, but also to see me me in it, you know, and to, to recognize my role in it. Awesome. Thanks Thank so much so for being here. You guys rock. Thank you guys so you much. Do. Mike who? (laughs) (laughs) We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Media on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Mike Canary is the co-creator and host. Tara Callaghan is the online content producer and periodic host. And Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. 
Our parting tune this week comes from episode 119, that's Adam's Dad Doug's episode. His second song was the Beach Boys' Wouldn't It Be Nice, and I'll let him tell the story. You've got, you're going through the back roads of Florida. It's beautiful out. You're with the person that you love, you know, beyond measure. And she's smiling, and her eyes are light, and she's singing. And she is not making fun of your singing, because you're both singing together. And it's just a moment that says, love is bigger than you. And this moment, driving, it was about 7 o'clock in the morning. Sun's just coming up. This familiar song comes on the radio. You're with the person of your dreams and headed toward the beauty that has been given to you uh, to enjoy each day. And maybe just listen to this song that you've heard a hundred times before. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Well, he wasn't bouncing around town, but I went back years later, and they do have his voice on the crosswalks. So when you push the button to cross the street, he goes, you may cross the street now. Oh, gosh. <laughs>